The mountains are calling. Let's escape the noise. This is episode 56 of the Just Trek podcast. Welcome to the Just Trek podcast, where elevation is our recreation. This is your host, Justin Just Rock Ramon, coming to you from Los Angeles. On this show, you will hear stories and adventures from inspirational hikers, explorers, weekend warriors, to even creatives in the LA community and beyond. Join the Just Trek crew on our journey to True North. We aim to inspire, motivate, and elevate you to a higher state of well being. You can follow us on Instagram at just.trek. Facebook.com slash Just Trek Official and our website JustTrek.net. Just Trek Crew, what it do? This is your host, Just Rock. On this episode, my special guest goes by the name Jeff Hester. He is the SoCal hiker, outdoor adventurer, peak bagger, avid backpacker, community leader, founder of the SoCal Hiker blog, and is the chief adventure officer of the Six Pack of Peaks Challenge. Yes, you heard that right. The man himself, Jeff Hester, aka SoCal Hiker, is on the show. Jeff's influence is major, and his overall platform is truly inspirational. His blog is a top three rated blog by US Today, and his National Hiking Challenge series have impacted hundreds of thousands of outdoor enthusiasts all across the nation. In other words, we have an epic special guest. We chat about how a mountain bike accident sparked a National Hiking Challenge, completing the John Muir Trail twice, 30 years apart, the origin stories of the SoCal Hiker blog and the Six Pack of Peaks Challenge series, his top three SoCal hikes, hiking hacks for day hikers and backpackers, the SoCal hiking community in comparison to other communities in the country, his deep passion for backpacking, and the one outdoor experience he would relive all over again. Here's our conversation. I hope you enjoy. Big news, Just Trek listeners. We have officially launched a Just Trek Patreon page as an opportunity for you to help support us financially so that we can keep producing more awesome content for you and the community. Patreon is a membership platform that connects content creators such as myself to our fans and supporters. So I invite you to become a Just Trek patron by going on patreon.com slash just trek, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash just trek, j-u-s-t-t-r-e-k. Take a look and select a membership tier that you're comfortable with. Each tier comes with awesome rewards, such as exclusive patron-only content, access to my unreleased Trek Talk series, hologram stickers, pin and sticker bundles, shout out on an upcoming episode, special merch promo code, trip planning services, and more. I truly believe in the Just Trek podcast, and your financial support will play an important role in elevating the Just Trek movement to new summits. More incredible guests, more inspirational stories, tips and advice, key learnings, life lessons for you all to take on the journey. Thank you for your continued support and make sure to go on patreon.com slash just trek to support your fellow podcaster and outdoor content creator. I appreciate you so much and now let's keep elevating together.
Before we jump into the conversation, I want to let you know that the Just Trek merch store is officially live right now. If you would like to support my podcast journey and represent Just Trek on your adventures, please make sure to check out justtrek.net slash shop. That is J-U-S-T-T-R-E-K dot N-E-T slash shop. We currently have new merch available for purchase. I appreciate you all so much, and now let's get back to the show. What is going on, everyone? We have quite the accomplished and esteemed guest on the show today. This individual's trail guides, top-ranked U.S. Today blog, and epic national hiking challenges have greatly inspired outdoor communities across the country to see the world from the mountaintops. His impact is massive, and he's always inspiring his community to flex their adventure muscles. And without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Jeff Hester, a.k.a. SoCal Hiker. Hey, thank you so much, Justin. I'm, it's a real pleasure and an honor to be on the show with you. And uh, wow, what an introduction. It's awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how did I do? Was it good? <laughs> it's, uh, it's always a little weird when somebody tells you like all the things that you've done or whatever. And uh, I feel like, you know, I'm just trying to do what I love. And so it's neat to be able mm-hmm. to see the uh, impact that has. Yeah, you've impacted my life so much and hundreds of thousands of people all across the country. And I can't thank you enough, you know, just for all the work that you do in the community. And I was always wondering, you know, ever since I became a hiker back in 2017 and started my peak bagging journey and, you know, also podcasting as well. I was like, you know, I hope we, I hope me and that Jeff Hester guy crossed paths one day and now it's actually happening. So it's such a trip right now. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, it was great to you know, connect with you and then to actually meet you in person last weekend. I think we'll probably talk about that, but yeah. Awesome. It's nice when the, when our, our paths cross, you know, there's a lot of people that we know online or we see on Instagram or, you know, different social media networks and things. And then we, you know, we follow them and we're inspired by them and maybe we're inspiring other folks. And then you run across each other on the trail or in real life. And it's just a really great feeling. It's like you've, you're getting together with an old friend in a way. Isn't it the best feeling when you meet each other for the first time out in the mountains, on the summits or the trails? It just hits different, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget one of my podcast guests. I never met them. And then literally the week after I released their episode, I ran into them at Mount Baldy Summit. And it's as if we knew each other because you know these conversations because you're a podcast host yourself. You know, you feel like you really get to know that person, even if it was just for those two hours or an hour, you know? Yeah. 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 It's been fun. You know, like there's been cases where I've been uh, backpacking in the Sierra Nevada and run across somebody who's like, oh my gosh, you're the reason I'm doing, you know, the John Muir trail or, you know, oh, it's the SoCal hiker. And that's really a, it's an, it's a special feeling. You are the SoCal hiker indeed. So check this out, Jeff. I must acknowledge right off the bat that this is a major full circle moment for myself in the show as I've always been admiring your work from afar and just have been sharing and raving about the Six Pack of Peaks Challenge since my beginning podcast episodes. You know, your challenge has just allowed me to rediscover LA and Southern California from high up the mountains. And as a major reason, I have fallen back in LA, uh, have fallen back in love with LA all over again. You know, it took me 13 years of living here in Los Angeles to even really notice that we had like major mountains like the San Gabriel Mountains, the Santa Monica Mountains. And to rediscover it through your challenge has just been so mind-blowing to me. So I just want to say thank you so much for creating this life-changing challenge. 
you know, it's helped myself along with hundreds of thousands of people, you know, just to reclaim the badass within ourselves and build ourselves up and, you know, inspire people along the way that you can climb that goddamn mountain, whether it's like figuratively or literally. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Reclaim your badass. Yeah, that's I think we might have to use that. I'm going to have to borrow that. Oh, there you go. Okay. I'm going (laughs) to license it to you guys. (laughs) It's so true though, because that's what, you know, being out, spending time in nature in our local trails is wonderful. Nature strolls are wonderful. But I feel like when you reach the top of like a summit, a big peak, you really reclaim your bad assery. And that's really important in life because we got to be our biggest fans a lot of times in order to build ourselves up, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know, I mean, that's part of the reason why... I love the six pack of peaks and why it's important to me is because um, it helps you break through your preconceived notions of what you can or cannot do. And I have so many people who've told me like, I I never thought I could do something like this. And, and now they're like, now they're looking at what's next on the horizon. You know, I'm going to go climb Mount Whitney or I'm going to go climb Kilimanjaro or whatever. Yeah, because your challenges, you know, if people are able to complete a few or the full challenge in whatever respective region they're in, they're like, you know what? I can climb something like a Mount Whitney, a 14er, as long as I train and use this as a training regiment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you were in LA slash Southern California recently, like you mentioned earlier. How did it how did it just feel to come back? And how did everything go with your first ever homecoming week? I know you participated in the Climb for Heroes event at Mount Baldy. Then you had your SoCal homecoming celebration in San Diego, where I actually got to shake your hand and meet you in person. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So I, I, I love coming back to Southern California. I was born and raised in Southern California for many years, uh, with uh, probably 10 years in the Midwest that I spent. But most of my life, okay. I've been in, in, in Southern California. And, We're in SoCal. Uh, well, I was actually born in Alhambra. So... Second generation Angelino. Right on, right on. Uh, I've lived in Orange County. I've lived in LA. Um, and then I've lived other places around the, around the country and also around the world. So, Anyhow, it's great to come back down. I, like right now, today, I'm, I'm up in Bend, Oregon. It is right now, let me just look, it's 22 degrees outside. And, and the high today, I think, is going to be 26 is what they're forecasting. Wow. So when we were down in in Vista at Epic Brewing on Sunday, we were in I like I was in sandals and a short sleeve shirt and totally comfortable. It was wonderful. So mm-hmm, it's a little mm-hmm. different. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie. The uh and then I saw you also did the Climb for Heroes event, which is a very beautiful uh community event that benefits injured war veterans, right? Like you you gathered a team up to fundraise money. Yeah, so we have uh, we've run Team SoCal Hiker for, gosh, I forget our first year. I think it was either two twenty. I think it was twenty fifteen. So we've been doing okay. this since then. And uh, the Heroes Project is a really cool um, nonprofit that works with veterans who've lost a leg, for example, in in service. And you're talking about redefining what's possible. You know, they work and train with them and will hike with them and to climb some of the the seven summits around the globe. So we've had like Charlie Linville who's done uh, Mount Everest and and so on. So wow. it's really neat to be able to do this event, you know, fundraise for the organization and then also meet a lot of the veterans that they are working with. So part of the program itself. 
And so it kind of brings it all together. Plus, it kind of brings the whole SoCal hiking community together. And that's a lot of fun because, you know, we see each other, you know, now and then. We usually have like our our little uh, groups that we like to hike with on a regular basis. But, sure, you know, we know many more people or we know of many more people. So like a lot of the guests on your show, you know, I've talked to at one point or another. And but, you know, some of them I haven't hiked with yet. So it would be it's neat to be able to do that and to. Uh, plus Mount Baldy is a great mountain. You know, it's just a great place to, to go and hike. Were you able to see the snow up there? Like what route did you guys do or how far were you able to get? So, yeah, that's a great point. So normally they do go to the summit and they set up these temporary camps, you know, five camps all the way up. And so the, the fifth one is the summit camp. Uh, the high camp would normally be at the saddle between Harwood and Baldy. So you would go basically up toward to the notch and then you follow the notch up to the back devil's backbone, you know, follow that trail around and you do it as an out and back. So the benefits of that with a group, a large group of people is because it's an out and back, they have a turnaround time. So I think it was one 30, wherever you are on the mountain, you're done. That's, that's your summit for the day turn around at that point and start heading back so that we can, you know, they can kind of keep track of, you know, everybody and make sure that we all get to kind of celebrate it, you know, meet back at the, at the, uh, at the trailhead at the beginning. Uh, For this last week, we, of course, there was a big dump of snow the week before. And so uh, they had to, they ended up having to modify the route. And it was kind of funny. They have signs at each of the camps and for the summit sign, everyone likes to get a picture with that. They called it summit-ish. <laughs> it was, oh, I love that. That's so hilarious. It was awesome. But it was still so much fun. It was. Uh, they stopped the, the hike right about uh, just before the Devil's Backbone. So kind of above mm. Chair 4, um, if you're gotcha. the ski re- resorts. Yeah. So that's where the summit ish was around. Yeah, the, and, the and there was for. there was snow from uh, there were patches of snow on the road up to the notch. But once you hit the notch, it was pretty much snow all the way to there. And wow. uh, some people had micro spikes, some people had trekking poles, some people had neither. But everyone seemed to be pretty handling it pretty well, and there's a lot of you know a lot of support there. So a lot of fun. Oh man, the infamous devil's backbone when it's covered in snow, absolutely mm-hmm. treacherous. And yeah, doesn't surprise me. That's I was very curious how the route was going to happen because I was like, are they going to all mountaineer <laughs> to the summit? Are they going to take the ski hut up slash bodyboard trail? Like I was like wondering how that would all play out. Yeah. Well, that's part of the thing about that event is that it attracts people. A lot of the people who are doing the event have never been up Baldy or they've never done anything really? you know, like this. And so there's always that option, you know, like you can go as far, you can go, maybe your destination is just to make it to the notch and that's enough. Right. So burger, beer, there you go. Right. Hot dog, live music. It was, yeah, exactly. It was a lot of fun and it kind of scales based on your ability level. And, uh, and of course the, the conditions this year. Yeah, I mean, it it looks like a winter wonderland right now up there. It's it still trips me out that we have that experience. We can get that mountaineering uh, peak experience in Southern California. Like it still trips me out. Like yesterday, I was helping a uh, I was one of these hiking guides for this corporate event. <laughs> I was just like, man, 
I'm looking at the beach over here, like from the Pacific Palisades, like overlook. And I'm just like looking in the distance. I'm like, there's Mount Baldy, just snow capped. I'm like, this is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in other parts of the country don't realize, you know, how mountainous and rugged and how amazing the mountains in Southern California really are. They're very diverse. Yeah, we got the coastal mountains, coastal treks, Santa Monica Mountains, the high elevation peaks, the urban treks, Griffith Park, and then the one we always make jokes about, Runyon, Runyon Canyon. Hey, Runyon Canyon gets a bad rap, but it's it's if you live in that area, like I when I lived in Central, uh, when I lived in um, Los Angeles, mid city, you know that would be one of the places. Either uh, Runyon or Griffith are the two places I would t- tend to go with my dogs and just go up into the hills. You know, you bring up a good point. If I did live near that trail, I'll be there all the time because it's still an awesome trail. Good, good incline, good elevation. Like it's a great workout. Yeah. And great views too. Like you get, if you don't mind like a city view, it's pretty awesome. (laughs) And and all the, uh, I call influencers, I call them now trailfluencers. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. All the yoga pants and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's Starbucks latte. That's right. They have the stretchy bands. And then also, you know, jumping out of Mount Baldy, you know, where I actually got to meet you in person, you held a homecoming celebration at Epic Brewing in uh, North County, San Diego. Mm. Like, how did that event go for you? There was a ton of people there. You had like a live trivia game. You had open bar. You had unlimited pizza. I was like, this is so amazing. It was a lot of fun. So we've, uh, we, you know, when we were started the six pack of peaks challenge in Southern California. One of the things that we did is at the end of the challenge, we had a big pizza party. Um, it was in, I think somewhere in Hollywood at the time, the first one. And that kind of grew and grew and grew. I think the last one we did before COVID hit was in 2019. And we had, Oh gosh, uh, 200 people or 400 people. I can't recall. It was a lot of people. Holy cow. It was a lot of people. Yeah. And so, but people have a lot of fun and we had great feedback from that. People loved getting together and just meeting everybody that they see online and, you know, their, yes. their posts and they're like, Hey, I know you. And, you know, getting the chance to talk and just in an informal fun setting was just a blast. Um, the, the trick has been, we can't do the, like the six pack of peaks challenge. It's not even over yet. So we don't, there's still people out there, you know, working on their on getting on the finishers list. So this and and what we decided is instead of, you know, having a quote unquote finishers party, we're just going to have a community celebration, celebrate the hiking community, bring everybody Smart. together, whether they're doing the six pack of peaks challenge or whether they're just, you know, out there inspiring other people through their own hikes and what they're doing, or maybe they have a trail group or maybe they're doing trail service in some way. We want everybody to get together and just, you know, talk and meet and have a great time. And that's, so that's kind of the the idea behind the homecoming in general. So our homecoming week was a series of both in-person and some virtual events. And uh, I saw that you had so many virtual things like in different regions too. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, we had a number of people from Southern California, like we had Sonia Pankratz who did something about how she used the six pack of peaks challenge and she trained for hiking up to Everest base camp this year. And, you know, talked about that whole adventure and, um, 
you know, what, you know, what was involved in, in that kind of a trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had people talking about women only adventures and the advantages to that. And we had, uh, we had a couple people talking about the John Muir trail and hiking that we, I had two of my, my buddies, my, my backpacking buddies and I, we did a, a, a virtual event on the Wonderland trail. That was a lot of fun. And we oh, just had man, so I've much dreaming time. of doing that. Yeah. I mean, we had so much fun just, you know, reliving the experience and, t- you know, talking about it that, you know, we're thinking we might do this again, you know, just on a, you know, maybe on a monthly or quarterly basis, just get together and talk about a, an adventure in depth, you know, and let people ask yeah. questions and have a lot of fun with that. So yeah, yeah it, it, it went really well. Online. Yeah, it went really well. We had a lot of fun. We had, um, a really good turnout in Southern California for the party. So I was really stoked about that. And I got to meet some, you know, a lot of the people I, I already knew to some degree, but I'm always meeting new people. And that's what I love is just, you know, introducing, uh, you know, myself or hearing from other people who are in the hiking community. And um, I'm I'm inspired by it. So when I uh, first got to the event, and I was just walking around. I think you saw me. I was like, I immediately went to the pizza because I was starving because I just did Montserrat Mountain. I went to Lake Calavera in Carlsbad. I was starving. And then out of the blue, someone like taps me on the back and it was Will Maddox Tacos Slayers. And I was just yeah. like so elated because that, believe it or not, that was the first time I ever met him in person. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will's yeah. a great guy. Yeah, because he got the Seriously Stickers things going on. I know he works with you on that. And he also was my episode 27 podcast guest mm-hmm. and you know we always want to meet our podcast guest at some point if we haven't met them in person already so that was so special to see him and to meet you both for the first time and get that awesome photo yeah yeah we got some great photos didn't we yeah it was fun will's a great guy he uh you know we've had tacos with him on uh, the, the the high point of san diego county uh, hot springs mountain so oh really yeah at the actual summit at the well so not at the not at the very summit because it's like a little boulder scramble to the top, and I had both my dogs mm-hmm. with me, and so uh, there's a uh, a decaying lookout tower that's near the summit, and we kind of sat on the steps of that, and he put together the tacos, and we had a great time. Oh man, I'm so jealous! I kept bugging him. I was like, "Yo, when can we do that summit taco collab? Come on, Will, gonna Let's have make it to happen. do. Yeah, you got to make it happen. Yeah." All right, well, you better listen to this episode, and if you are, it's going to happen soon, okay? (laughs) All right, check it out, Jeff. So before we get into all your extensive work with SoCal Hiker and the Six Pack of Peaks Challenge, you know, I want to learn more about your outdoor journey and dig deeper into that. So I want you to take us back, Jeff. What was your first hiking memory? Yeah, my first hiking memory was probably when I was in Boy Scouts, and I was probably... Oh, gosh, you know, eighth grade or something like that. So, you know, I don't know, 13 years old, let's say, in Indiana. And uh, we lived in a suburb of Indianapolis. And there's not a lot. There's no mountains in Indiana. It's pretty flat. There's some hills. And that's about it. So for us, our our, uh, hiking and backpacking, I kind of dug that whole idea of like sleeping in the tent and you know, carrying everything on your back, everything you need to survive. I thought that was a lot of fun, but it was, there's no epic to it. You know, like there's, 
there's no views really. I mean, there's trees and there's maybe fall color. Um, I think the, the most epic experience we had, uh, back in Indiana with when I was in scouts was a winter camp trip where we had brought, uh, like a, a dozen eggs to make for, to make breakfast the morning. And they all froze at night because it, it got down <laughs> into single digits, you know, overnight. And we we're just freezing our butts off. Um, oh, no. But that was sort of like I, I started to get a taste for hiking and backpacking and camping and that kind of thing. When I was 16, we moved back to Southern California. We moved to Irvine and I got involved with um, the the church that we my family went to. They, their youth group was doing backpacking like that was their one of the things that they did is they would take kids go. Oh, really? And go backpacking in the Sierras. And I thought. Oh, I'm, you know, all over that. I, that sounds awesome. I would love to do that. And I think the first, you know, like we did some training hikes up out of Idlewild, like um, Takwitz Peak. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these mountains are awesome. Because I hadn't experienced mm-hmm. that in Indiana. And I, when I lived out here before, I was five years old, you know, when we left Southern California. So I had no appreciation for it. And... uh so experiencing the mountains, like in the San Jacinto area, was amazing for me. And then we were planning for like a five-day trip in the Sierra Nevada. And I'm like, I'm, I'm there. So we backpacked all over like Thousand Island Lake and Garnet Lake and that area outside of Mammoth. And it was just such an amazing experience. And I was hooked. Are you able to pinpoint like from one of those experiences where you just had like that intense like realization or epiphany that this hiking thing was going to become like a major part of like your lifestyle and identity moving forward? Wow. Um, huh. I, I never really thought of it as being like a part of my identity or a part of my lifestyle, really, you know, just like, I love this and I want to do mm-hmm. it as much as I can. And so I just like, so, for example, out of that out of that experience, you know, going out to the Sierras with this youth group and backpacking on, on a couple of occasions, there was a smaller group of people who were like, hey, we're going to do the John Muir Trail. And, you know, I, would you and I'm like, you know, sign me up. I'm totally in, into that. So um, I think at that point, you know, I was like, yeah, not everybody was like that much all in to do like the John Muir Trail. We had. I think we quite the commitment. Yeah, it's a commitment. You know, it's like 25 days we were out and, uh, you know, it's a lot of planning and training and prep, you know, preparation and, and, uh, you know, some sacrifice as well, you know, like you're sacrificing your time and, you know, maybe not getting a job during that period or whatever. So, yeah, I think that's probably once I, you know, had kind of committed to doing something like that, that's when I really knew. This is what I wanted to do more of. That makes sense. And to do backpacking in the Sierras, the Sierra Nevadas, the Eastern Sierras. Oh, my goodness, Jeff. Like my introduction was Mount Whitney like three years ago. Alpine Lake heaven, Alpine Lake galore. Like I could understand why you being up there on that uh, small backpacking trip was like you had that intense feeling like, wow, this is this is something for me. Yeah. And I just want to do more. You know, It was so much fun. Yeah, I, I understand what you're feeling. It's like it's a culmination of all the different 
hiking and outdoor experiences, not necessarily just one, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I can't say that there was one event that like that, you know, the light bulb went off and now I was hooked. It was more of just seeing the mountains, like actual real mountains and, and being in them and spending the night under the stars. That was the experience that triggered the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, your mind must have been absolutely blown away coming from Indiana and then going to this yeah. San Jacinto wilderness, San Jacinto Peak, because that in itself is very prominent. That's what the second tallest mountain in Southern California. It's part of Cactus the Clouds. And then obviously oh, yeah. Eastern Sierras is on a whole nother level of beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was it was complete my mind was blown, you know, and it was like this is awesome. I want more. Yeah, we we all want more. It's the most addicting feeling when you get out <laughs> of nature. It's like the healthiest addiction. Absolutely. All right. So I want to get into your incredible work with your two outdoor platforms. You know, I know we've been talking about both of them briefly, but hmm. you know, for those who may not be familiar, you know, what exactly is SoCal Hiker and the Six Pack of Peaks Challenge? And what are the origin stories of each? They kind of work together. So uh, SoCal Hiker, it all kind of cut, ties together with all of this, in fact. So um, it starts with a mountain biking accident in 2009. I was into mountain biking at the time, or I was getting into mountain biking. I was biking about three times a week, a couple nights after work. And then on Saturdays, I'd get together with a bunch of guys, that I, some that I worked with and some other folks. And we do a longer ride on Saturday. And one particular Saturday, we were doing a, a shuttle ride. So you park down at the base and then you shuttle up to the top of the mountain. And uh, we went to the San Juan Trail uh, in the Cleveland National Forest off, off Ortega Highway. Oh, nice. And I was in the, I was in the back because I was the, the new guy. And, you know, I'm still learning and getting my, you know, learning about this and I just took my, I don't know, my head wasn't in it or whatever, but I went off a drop, hit wrong, went over the handlebars, and I ended up breaking my no. wrist. Yeah. I break my wrist in two places. I didn't know this at the time. I just knew it hurt. You know, I'm all crumpled up on the, on the ground. I call for help, but they're all, you know, way gone. And we're about two miles into a 10-mile ride. And so I, you know, get up after I knew, you know, like wiggle my fingers and my toes, everything still works. And, you know, I get up and dust myself off and I check my bike out and had to straighten the front wheel a little bit. And everything looks good. So, you know, my wrist hurts, but I figure, well, I got to keep going. You know, what else can I do? So I'm going back to my car, eight miles downhill. And, uh, so I'm nursing my way down, you know, I finally catch up with the big group They who, they kind of waited for me a little at one of the, one of the Creek crossings. And, um, uh, I explained what happened. They're like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, just take your time. Don't worry about it. And so I kept riding. I, I fell actually over the handlebars a second time on that same ride back no, on my Jeff, wrist. A second time. <laughs> oh my a second time. Why? And it was kind of a slow motion kind of a deal. It's like I I knew this was going to be painful. You know, I'm like, my, my hands are out. And I'm, I go, oh, this is going to be really bad. And it was. <clears throat> and so, again, I, you know, get myself up. <clears throat> Excuse me. I dust myself Very off. Good. And uh, I continue all the way down. 
I take my gloves off and there's one other guy there and his, his eyes just got like huge when he saw how swollen my wrist was in my hand. And, uh, so I put my bike in the car and I head home, had to let my dog out. He'd been waiting for me for, you know, four hours or whatever and showered off and went to the uh, urgent care. And they said, they did some x-rays and said, oh yeah, you got a compound. You have a, 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 two fractures in your wrist there. So I went, ended up going to the orthopedic uh, doctor. They put a cast on and said, you can't ride for three or four months at least. Wow. And this was 2009. I thought, well, um, you know, I had done the John Muir trail the first time in 1980 and 2010 was coming up. It would have been the 30th year or 30th anniversary of that first trip. And I thought, well, that would be a cool way, you know, like a, a really nice sort of milestone, a, maybe a great goal to set, like a big, gnarly mm-hmm. adventure goal for next year. And this would be the time to start planning for it, you know, uh, a, almost a year in advance. And uh, and so I kind of just pivoted there and started said, well, I'm not mountain biking. I, I can hike, though. And so I started hiking more and hiking more. And, uh, and that's. So in 20, I think February, March of 2010, I started SoCalHiker.net. And the goal was basically documenting every all the information I was collecting about the John Muir Trail. So, you know, back in... That was the I, first piece of content. That was it. You know, it's like, I don't know if it's the first piece of content, but that was really the goal is to collect all the information about like resupply and the gear, you know, my gear list and all of the things that I would need for what is my itinerary going to be? you know, all of that. And then it kind of grew from there. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to train, you know, and, and be prepared. And so I, uh, I thought, well, I'll start writing up trail guides for the hikes, my training hikes I do. Cause at the time there was nothing, you know, there was no like all trails or anything like that. And, uh, there was nothing in South Orange County, which is where I was living at the time. And, so that's kind of how it got started is I started, I started documenting those. So that was tied to the John Muir trail trip and the six pack of peaks was tied to that. So at some point during that fall of 20, 2009, my, my girlfriend at the time said, you know, she, I was talking about this, like, I'm going to do the John Muir trail next summer. You know, I did it 30 years ago. This will be awesome. You know, I'm going to do it over yes. three weeks and, and she's like, oh, I, I think I, I have some friends that might like to join me. I was trying to get a group of like four or five people to, to hike with. And she said, well, I think I might have some friends who really be into that, you know. And, and, uh, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't know them. But, you know, if, if you can, if they're good, you know, maybe we can work that out. Anyhow, as time goes on, we're talking about it over weeks or whatever. And she's like, you know, I think I might like to do it. And then I got a little nervous. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you get nervous? <laughs> well, I got nervous because it's like she hadn't done any backpacking since she was in high school. And it oh, had been wow. years, okay, you know, see. like decades since since uh, since she'd done any backpacking. And we've been doing day hikes and stuff, but nothing really super strenuous or anything like that. And so I yeah, said... This is, this is a next level commitment. It's, it's a next sure. level commitment. And now... On the flip side, her boss, where she was working at the time, was uh, in. He was almost finished with the seven summits, so he still had, I think, 
he had done five of the seven summits already, and he had two to go, Everest, and then then uh, one other one, a, a lower one. Gotcha. And uh, so she had that as well. Like her boss was talking about it, and he, you know, she'd tell him that oh, I was planning to do the John Muir Trail, and I think he was probably like, oh, that would be so awesome, you know. And so she starts thinking, oh, I see, I should do that. So any, at any rate, I said, well, we're going to have to train for this and we're going to have to do more than just the after work hikes, you know, in South, South Orange County. We have to get some mileage. We have to get some vertical gain and we have to get some elevation, you know, to know like how our bodies are going to respond and all of that. And so she's like, all right, all right. And she's like, you put together the plan, you know, and, and, and we'll, I'll do it, you know. And so we, we, I came up with six hikes. That was the original six pack of peaks, Mount Wilson, Cucamonga, uh, Mount San Antonio or Baldi, uh, San Bernardino peak, uh, San Jacinto and San Gregonio. And each Saturday, I think it was almost always on a Saturday, we would do one of those and start working our way up to the, till we got to San Gregonio, I think two weeks before our JMT trip. And Such a beast of a mountain. It's it's a beast of a mountain. Yeah, that's and so we knew kind of like what our bodies would do. You know, we knew like we can do this. We can do the mileage. You know, we'd be we'd be doing twelve to thirteen miles on average every day on the JMT. We'd be doing anywhere from two to four thousand feet of vertical every day. You know, and uh, of course we'd be carrying also our packs and everything else. So. It was just a really um, good way for us to make sure that we had not only the fitness, but that we had our gear dialed in, that we were a little kind of ruggedized for um, a trip like the JMT, that we weren't going to injure ourselves, and that we were prepared mentally, you know, like psychologically, like, oh, I can I can climb that mountain. I can do this too, you know. And so that was the start of the Six Pack of Peaks even though it wasn't like an official challenge at that point. So 2010 was really the first year that the six pack of peaks happened. And I led a series of uh, each one of those hikes I did as a group. I led a group up through a meetup hike, a hiking meetup down in orange County. Meetup.com. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the people, you know, I'm still in touch with. So it's really kind of neat, you know, to see, you know, and experience that with, uh, you know, some of those folks and, and that we still know each other and that kind of thing. So real quick meetup.com. I didn't know that was like a thing until like 2018, because one of the, uh, this girl that I was hiking with, she, I did Mount Whitney with her and like other people. She one time invited me to do rattlesnake peak in the San Gabriel mountains and it, I was like, how do you know, how do you know this group? And she was like, us through meetup.com. They're called like the Calabasas Day Hikers. I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. Little did I know that all these older people were extremely, extremely fast. And that was a suffer fest of a day. <laughs> and that's how I came to come across the meetup.com like hiking community. Like there's so many groups on their hosting events. Yeah, there are a lot of groups on meetup and they kind of run the gamut. So you have stuff, you know, some of it is catering towards newbies, you know, people getting into hiking and they just want to have a social, you know, a, a walk, a nice stroll with other people. And some of them are extreme and, you know, there's trail running groups and there's groups for just about anything, you know, peak bagging groups. There's groups for pretty much anything you, you want to find. And so I, I really like meetup.com for, for that reason. 
Yeah, some of the questionnaires to like join some of the groups are like <laughs> kind of hardcore too because they got they got to vet you, which is understandable. Yeah, yeah, and that was one of the things that we did, like, or that I did when I was leading these group hikes. I was like, you have to have hiked with me before for to join me on this hike. And we had absolutely, absolutely. The, the first one we did was Mount Wilson, and I had this guy. He was a, a student at, at uh, Cal State Fullerton. And he contacted, I didn't know him. I hadn't hiked with him. And he's like, oh man, please, please, please let me join this group because I, I really want to do this <laughs> Mount Wilson. In fact, I want to do all of the, the six peaks with you because I'm I'm going to be doing this three-week backpacking trip in Glacial National, uh, Glacier National Park with some friends of mine this summer. And I need to train for that. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, what's, what kind of hiking have you done recently? You know, like what's the longest hike or what's the highest, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you've climbed. And he's like, well, I, I don't do a lot of hiking, but I play volleyball at school and I do this and I'm active and I'm fit. And I'm like, I, I kind of like, all right, you wore me down. You can join us on Mount Wilson. And (laughs) so we have like 12 people, you know, kind of like that was my limit is about 10 or 12 people. And, um, we were able to hike up the, from Chantry Flats. This is back in 2010, obviously. And, uh, you know, made our way past Sturt event camp and started up towards Mount Wilson. And as we get about a mile and a half away from the summit, his legs start cramping like big time. And he's, he's having to take like one or two steps and stop. And, oh, no. and then one or two steps and stop. And so I stay back with him. I tell the rest of the group, all right, go, you go ahead to the summit, you know, take a break there, take your packs off, you know, have lunch, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm going to stay with this guy and, and we're going to make sure he gets up here. Okay. Cause at that point, you know, like the only option is really turn around and go down, which you're so close to the summit or, you know, press on for like the mile, mile and a half to, to the top. And so I just walked with him, you know, and I tried to talk to him. I was like, Hey, you know, I've been there. I know what it's like, you know, I've been in situations like that where my legs were, I was underprepared and I was cramping and I thought, Oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? And we just kind of talked through it and walked and walked. And finally we get up to, up to the top and we meet up with the rest of the group and he, Yes. He rests and he eats and then coming down, going down, he was totally fine. So like whole different muscle groups and he was able to get down no problem. So it worked out really well, but it really kind of reinforced that thing that like, Hey, that rule of like, you have to hike with me before we do this big, gnarly challenging hike. Um, I'm going to hold to that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. No, rightfully so. Cause you know, us as leads and hosts, you know, depending on what the route is or the hike, you know, we got to vet these people because it can it can affect not only yourself, but the entire group. Right. And then the day might be much longer, unforeseen like injuries and circumstances. So you got to make sure more or less that people are they don't have to be at the same level, but around it. Right. Right. Kind of just have to gauge it. Right. Good for you for pushing him to the peak, <laughs> even though I'm sure it was like torturous. <laughs> yeah, well, he survived. And afterwards, he's like, he he messaged me and he says, you know, Jeff, I, I know I wanted to do the all of the six peaks, but I, I really don't think I'm ready. And I, I think maybe I need to do some more training down, you know, in my area first. And I'm like, yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think that's a good decision. You know, a good call. 
Yeah, because, you know, Mount Wilson, that route is so many miles. It's like, what, 15 to 16 miles? That is no joke. It's no joke. Yeah. And it's, you know, 4,000 feet of vertical or whatever. It's it's a good climb. Yeah, it is most definitely a leg buster. So thank you for sharing the origin stories about the SoCal Hiker blog and the Six Pack of Peaks. I love how it's all intertwined. And it basically started like relatively like close to each other. Mm -hmm. And you've been doing SoCal Hiker and six pack of peaks for so many years now. I'm just curious to know, like how has the overall platforms evolved over the past several years? You know, I know that six pack of peaks, you're in different regions, SoCal hiker, you have so much content on there. If you could get into just how the platforms have evolved, that'd be great. Yeah. So SoCal hiker was for a long time. That was it. That's what I, my entire focus was on SoCal hiker. Um, the, the tricky thing is when, um, we started moving around. So in 2017, my wife got my girlfriend from the earlier story became my wife. So we survived the JMT. Nice. That was good news. And uh, we married uh, two years later. So uh, in 2017, she got a job. I think it was 2017 in um, Seoul, South Korea. And so I made the choice to quit my day job and go over there because we had housing and I just was going to focus on SoCal Hiker and the Six Pack of Peaks and all of that. But I'm in Seoul, South Korea. You know, it's like I'm not hiking in Southern California at that point. And so um, I had to figure that out a little bit. And uh, when we came back, we were there for a year. When we came back, we ended up in Oakland. California up in NorCal. And so I started hiking around the Bay Area and we launched a NorCal six pack of peaks challenge. Ah, okay. So I just you had to show NorCal some love. It was it was only right. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of was I was kind of opportunistic about that. You know, like it was a great way for me to like, oh well, I'm we live here. I'm gonna go definitely go hike these peaks. You know, some of them I hiked before, whatever, and uh, and let's also let's see if we can put together a challenge around here. And so, Northern California, the Bay Area specifically, is one of the areas. One of the first additional challenges we launched. Um, the SoCal hikers now it, we have we have trail guides in from all over the country right now, mostly in the West. So Colorado, Arizona, Utah, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, Southern California, Northern California, but also a few in the, in the East. So we have uh, some things in the queue for new England, for example. Yeah. It's expanded beyond just Southern California. So I, you know, I, I kind of struggled with that. It's like, well, it's called SoCal hiker. But yet we have these hikes in all sorts of places. And I I wondered, you know, should I rebrand this or should I just leave it or whatever? And I ended up deciding SoCal Hiker is kind of who I am. I am I was born and raised in Southern California. That has been, you know, a big part of who I am. And so the fact that I hike in other places doesn't bother me. I love it. I love going and exploring new places and going and hiking there. And hopefully that inspires other people or informs other people about opportunities that go beyond just Southern California. And that's really where we're at right now. 
Right on. Yeah, I could understand the uh, the identity crisis, right? When you're doing like yeah. the content in different all over the country. So do you uh, do you have like a lot of contributing like bloggers and writers that you work with? Are you are you the main person still writing everything? So I do most of the posts. I've are you know things that I've written and hiked myself. Although we have a bunch of contributing writers now. So we have you know Chris Griffith down in San Diego. We have uh, Richard Opelar, uh, who's done a lot of stuff for Arizona. Um, we have people who are contributing, you know, hikes from other places so we can nice. make that available. But we all, they're all things that are sort of curated and follow the same basic format. We want to make sure that it's got the right information that you need for logistics and for safety and for having a great experience on the trail. Yeah, everyone tuning in, make sure to check out SoCalHiker.net. It is so informative, so many logistics in there. You can discover so many trails all over the place. And it was also rated a top three blog by US, uh, USA US, Today. Uh, what is it called? US Blog? USA, USA Today. Today. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a while ago. But yes, we we did get that. And uh, so one of the things that has evolved over time is when we first launched the official uh, Six Pack of Peaks Challenge in 2015, that was all still hosted and, and part of socalhiker.net the website and as soon as we started you know adding some additional challenges like colorado or oregon or northern california i I was like well that's not going to fly you know like that's not going to sit well with people in other regions and so uh today now all of the six pack of peaks challenge series and all of the interaction and the hype trail guides and the trip reports and the photos that people are sharing is all on socialhiker.net. So a, one little letter, we just add an I and call it instead of SoCalHiker, it's SocialHiker. And I think that fits also with sort of the idea because we're all about sort of bringing together the community, the hiking community and the peak bagging community and getting people to connect with other folks on the trails and off the trails. Yeah. So you have social hiker, SoCal hiker at six pack of peaks, just to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. And with the, uh, back to the six pack of peaks challenge. So it's evolved to how many, um, events all over the country. It's like eight plus or nine, something like that. So yeah. Uh, for 2022, we have 11 challenges in different regions around the country. Um, we have, Southern California, San Diego, we've split off. We have Southern California, which is mostly like the greater LA area, let's say. We have San Diego. We have Northern California, which is really the Bay Area. We have Central Oregon, uh, Pacific Northwest, mostly in the state of Washington. We have a Las Vegas challenge. People don't, you know, just like Southern California, people think, they don't think of mountains in Southern California. We got them. Vegas is the same way. I mean, there's some amazing mountains outside of Vegas and, you know, 30 minutes away from the strip and you're up in the snow and people don't know it. So we're helping, you know, like get that out there. Uh, Utah, uh, Colorado, uh, two in Arizona, one for winter and one for summer and uh, New England. And so 11 for 2022 and we're growing for 2023. Ah, I'm curious to know where else you will be uh, having the challenge. I'm so glad you brought up the uh, that you're hosting a, a Vegas challenge because I've been having the same sentiments and feelings. Like I'm beginning to see through my hiker friends over there. I'm like, oh my God, you guys have like your own 
hiking scene in Las Vegas and Nevada. And you guys have epic mountains like a Mount Charleston and that has actual snow in the desert. Like it's really like mind boggling that in Vegas, because, you know, we all think of the strip and casinos and nightlife. Like little do we know, like the locals over there, you know, it's an outdoor climbing mecca as well. And they got major peaks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alex Honnold lives in Vegas now, so he's he's out there. I heard that. Um, and they have some great peaks like, you know, Charleston is higher, taller than Mount San Gorgonio. Oh, that's it's like, it's almost 12,000, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Right. You know, and you so you, you go up and you're in, you know, a pine forest and you're hiking up these granite peaks and it's, you know, it you, you wouldn't you wouldn't imagine that you were just a half an hour away from the Las Vegas Strip. It's pretty cool. Yeah, this just gets me so excited to try the peaks uh, that are part of your challenge in other cities or other, you know, regions. Like, just the fact that I know that your challenge is in this area, I'm like, okay, there's mountains over there, so I'm good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's not going to be a flat region. It's not going to be in Indiana or in Texas. <laughs> yeah, we don't. So we don't my mental health will be good. We don't have a yeah. We don't have a six pack of peaks challenge in Indiana or in Nebraska <laughs> or Iowa. Um, we have a friend from Missouri. He's like, Oh, you should do a six pack of creeks challenge. <laughs> how, how far can you swim in the Creek? Yeah. How deep can you dive? I don't know, man. Uh, oh, we, you should do that for April fools. Right. For April fools. There you go. Yeah. We'll do an April fools, uh, announcement. There you go. There's a great idea. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. If you guys heard it, on this podcast, just pretend like you never heard it when we announce it on uh, April 1st, okay? Uh, sounds sounds like a plan. Oh, also, Jeff, I noticed, and I also do want to highlight this, that you have a really, really big SoCal, Hiker, uh, SoCal Hikers Facebook group. It has over like 68,000 members. Like, when did you start that? Like, let's talk about that. That's a massive community that you've been building up. Yeah, well, when I started it, I was in Southern California, so that was a you know, big part of that. Um, I think there were a few groups, you know, there's a bunch of Facebook groups for hiking and I think that's awesome. Our goal was basically just to give people a place where, um, you can connect with other folks, share your experiences and hopefully find other people to hike with maybe. So mm-hmm. that's another part of it is, you know, taking people, who are, you know, people who are more experienced, like that's one of the, one of my big things is that if, if I want to go try something that I haven't done before, for example, climbing Mount Shasta, I want to go with somebody who's climbed Mount Shasta, you know, like, I don't want to just go there by myself, even with, you know, some knowledge and, and the skills going through training. That's, that's all, that's all well and good, but it's a whole nother thing to be able to go with somebody who has done it before or done something at least comparable to that, maybe even more. So um, mm-hmm. I think that's part of the goal is just to help people kind of meet up and, you know, be able to mentor and, and uh, get advice from other folks in a place where they're not going to feel like, you know, they're ashamed that they're, <laughs> they don't have that knowledge already. You know, we want everyone to feel comfortable to, that they can get into hiking and have a great time. Yeah, the SoCal Hikers Facebook group, Jeff, is such a powerful resource. Like, I'm always in that group, in the Mount Whitney Facebook group. Like, 
Both of those groups are so active, everyone sharing the different places they've been to, sharing knowledge, being very, uh, being very, um, you know, altruistic in there. And it's also just fun to see other people's adventures. And I was like, holy cow, there's like there's 68,000 members in here. Like that just reinforced in my mind. I was like, wow, the Southern California, the SoCal hiking community is absolutely ginormous. Oh, yeah, it's huge. There's a lot. And well, you might you might think that the half of them are at uh, Manker Flats on any given weekend, but or, or Ice House Canyon. <laughs> sure. The other half's at Ice, Ice House Canyon. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the Southern California hiking community is huge, and it's really awesome to see. And the, I think it's grown a lot, you know, post COVID when you know people were like, "Well, like, what else can I do? I can get outside." So th- we had a lot of people sort of like rediscovered hiking or discovered hiking for the first time, and that's awesome. Exactly. But it's, but it's also a, a kind of a challenge and an opportunity for education because we have a lot of people who maybe didn't grow up, you know learning about leave no, the seven leave no trace principles or learning about, you know, mm-hmm. like why, you know, you need to carry certain, th- you know, the 10 essentials with you if you're, you know, climbing um, San Gorgonio and, you know, why it's important to leave your itinerary with somebody back home so they know where you're going to be and when you're going to be back, those kinds of things. So it's an opportunity as well. Yeah. Oh, man. When you said 10 essentials and I was thinking about saying, and you said San Gregorio, this has brought me to a flashback where <laughs> I suffered during a lightning and thunderstorm out of the blue up there. And I was just like, oh God, why am I getting flashbacks of that right now? Mm, yeah. No, no rain gear. <laughs> so Jeff, in my newbie peak bagging days, four, four years ago, the weather mountain forecast said it was sunny and clear. And typically I'm usually the one that's overprepared. But for some reason that day, I didn't have my rain jacket, my down jacket. And guess what happened? A crazy thunder and lightning storm happened out of the blue. I was getting hypothermia. I thought I was going to die a slow death one mile from the summit of San Gorgonio. And I somehow survived that. And I, from that point on, I said, any major peak or any hike, I'm just going to bring all my layers and all the 10 essentials from now on. Yeah, that's what I do too. It's like, you, you, regardless of what the weather forecast is, the the weather can change so quickly in the mountains. You have to be prepared for, you know, the un, unexpected. Prepare for the Especially worst in that and hope San for the Gorgonia best. Area. Oh, yeah, yeah. So prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. And then you have a great time. And back to the SoCal Hiker Facebook group. So you started that right after SoCalHiker.net, the blog, or Gosh, I don't, like after I, the Six Pack of Peaks? I don't know. I honestly don't know when I started that. It's been a while. We can probably while. look and see, but I uh, I don't recall. No worries. I'll, I'll do my research. Yeah. <laughs> so check this out, Jeff. You've done a ton of trekking and exploring all over Southern California because mm. you are the SoCal Hiker. So I'd love to know. What are your top three hikes in SoCal at this very moment? And why is each your favorite? And I always ask all my guests this question because I always want people that are tuning into the show, you know, to discover new places so that they can fill their souls with new adventures. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would say my favorite three hikes in Southern California would be, hmm, uh, I love Mount San Jacinto from the tram, you know, like going up through round Valley to Wellman divide and, and then up to the summit. Um, I that's, I've taken a lot of people on their very first backpacking trip that way, you know, like you take the tram up nice. and then you just hike, like it's three miles or whatever it is to round Valley and you can set up your camp and, 
And uh, that's that's just a great introduction because immediately it's like immediately payday. You get to the top of the tram and you walk out and you're like, holy cow, I'm in a different world. You know, like it's an alpine forest and meadows and it's just, you know, mountain peaks all the way, you know, encircling you in every direction. And so that's one of my favorite ones. I, I have a, it's kind of near and dear to my heart. That's sort of like the first really big mountain experience I had and in uh, Southern California, not up the tram, but just that those, those mountains. And it's a fun experience just to take the tram up even. So I think a lot of people really enjoy that. Yeah. People enjoy it. And it's a great way if, whether you bag the peak or not, you know, add that on top, that's, that's just icing on the cake. So that's one of them for sure. Uh, Another one would be kind of going to the other extreme is something that I have a trail guide called Roller Coaster Ridge on SoCal Hiker, and it's a 4.6 mile lollipop loop that goes up. I think they call it the Patriot Trail. There's a hill called Patriot Hill, and it's got a flagpole okay. with a flag at the end. But it's a perfect hike to do, kind of at dusk, and try to get to the where the where the flagpole is around sunset because you're you get a view over the Dana Point Marina and the ocean and the coastline and mm-hmm. it's an amazing sunset and that was sort of my one of my go-to weeknight hikes for years when I lived down in South Orange County and I think whether it's you know I, I think everybody should have that kind of trail like a, a go-to local trail that you can do at the end of the day, kind of an attitude adjustment. Maybe you bring, invite friends mm. to join you and just make it part of your routine. For us, we did it every Wednesday. We would do this trail. We'd meet up, you know, at like 530 or whatever the time was and, and do the hike. And then afterwards, we'd go to Wahoo's and have fish tacos for dinner. And Oh, I love Wahoo's fish tacos. They're awesome, right? <laughs> And so we did this for years and it was just so much fun and it provided, you know, it broke up the week. It provides like an, you know, free exercise, like a free workout. Basically, you don't have to think about it or plan it because you oh Wednesday night. This is what I do, you know, and and it's also a, a social experience as well. So I really recommend that everybody have something like that. Wait, did you call it Roller Coaster Ridge? I called it Roller Coaster Ridge. It's not actually the official trail name. Um, and the, the reason for that is because you basically go up and down. I think you there's probably about 1,200 feet of vertical gain total, but none of the hills are that high. It's just, you know, you go up and down and up and down mm-hmm. multiple times, like a roller coaster. That's such a great name. That is an amazing name. You lose elevation, you gain elevation. Yep. You lose elevation, you gain elevation. And that's a third for you. The third one for me would be pretty much Ice House Canyon and anything from there. Like you, there's so many different trails and experiences you can have. Even just hiking Ice House Canyon to the wilderness b- boundary. I've seen people go up there with like sleds and stuff like that and just hang out or or just experience the the creek that's running through Ice House Creek and and uh, seeing the old cabins. Some of them still some you know some of them are still being used and some of them are in forms of decay and just a really neat place, you know, like the, uh, sometimes you'll see a log that's just covered with ladybugs 
or you'll see, you know, like you, you see people coming down from doing Cucamonga peak or Ontario peak or, um, you know, timber mountain or whatever, and then taking their boots off or their shoes off and soaking their feet in the Creek and getting, you know, getting them cooling off and getting refreshed. And it's just a, a really nice experience. The only downside to ice house Canyon anyone who's been there will know is are the crowds. And uh, the one, the one tip I'll give around that is uh, going later in the day. So one year my wife and I did a Cucamonga peak, but we didn't, we just overnighted at the summit. And so we got to ice house Canyon around 4 PM. No problems finding parking at all oh man wow you know park right up front you know put on our packs hiked up you know we got to see the sunset from the uh, cucamonga and watch the fireworks at disneyland from up there and all of no that way? oh yeah yeah it was so cool and uh just a, a really nice different experience and then coming down in the morning the same thing it's like you know we're we have no crowds you know, going our direction. Of course, we're starting to hit people the closer and closer we get to the trailhead in the morning, but um, always a great experience there. I always hear that an overnight at Cucamonga Peak is absolutely magical, especially that sunrise. And then sometimes you can get that majestic sea of clouds. And that's probably one of the most yes. spectacular things I've ever seen out in mother nature, the inversion layer. So you're like, you're, you're looking, you're thinking about all the millions of people in the basin who are waking up or they're down there and they're going, Oh, what a gray, miserable day, you know? And meanwhile, you're up here above it all and you've got blue skies and sunshine. Yes. Yes. It's just like, it's a beautiful day. That's a great experience. It's such a life hack to be above the clouds while everyone is uh, suffering under the overcast. Exactly. Yeah. And you earn that, you know, you earn it by climbing there. So hear that guys, if you don't want to get caught up in the, uh, the Carmageddon at Ice House Canyon parking lot going the late afternoon around three or four, like what Jeff said. There you go. Yeah. So I just want to recap. So you said uh, Ice House Canyon. Yeah. And then you said the roller coaster ridge in like South Orange County. Mm-hmm. And then the first one was doing San Jacinto, but taking the tram up and backpacking it. I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I'm more like a crazy day hiker. Mm-hmm. I don't have too much skin in the game in terms of like backpacking. So I was, that was actually one of my questions I was going to ask you is like, what would you recommend for like a newbie backpacker? And that sounds like such an amazing idea. Take the tram up. And there's so many uh, campsites right there, like at your fingertips. Yeah, you do have to reserve, you know, it's all permit reservation type of thing. So you, you know, you'll, you'll have to go through that process, but it's worth doing. And I think it's a great experience. I've, I've taken my mom up, mom and dad up there. My daughter, when she was still in diapers, had her first backpacking experience there. I've taken numerous people up on their first time backpack that very route. And a lot of times we don't even bother with the summit. You know, it's like, we just go to round Valley, set up camp, maybe do a little exploration, you know, uh, hiking around in that sort of bowl there, that basin. And that, that could be enough. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a great place. Special in my heart. Are you able to share on here? Like, cause there's so many campsites. There's so many names. Like where would you recommend for me to like book or like, stay at uh camping wise up in that area yeah because there's a lot of different campsite names right i remember like trekking up well i saw like one was like granite something or 
Round Valley would be the 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 area. It's Round Valley. Yeah, yeah. So there's okay. If you and depending on when you go and what the rainfall is like for that particular year, there is a little. Um, there's a spring near the. There's a a guard shack or a ranger station sort of near Round Valley there. Mm. And there's a little spring with a little spigot that will sometimes have water there. But otherwise, you have to bring your water. That's the downside to a lot of the stuff in Southern California is that you you probably have to bring water for a lot of it. Yeah, carrying that water weight is the ultimate training a lot of times, right? As Mm -hmm. a SoCal hiker. Yeah. A couple of years ago, me and a couple of friends, we did a uh, San Bernardino peak and then uh, as an overnight. So we hiked up to San Bernardino, then kept going along the ridge towards San Gorgonio. We camped at about 10,000 feet oh, in between. Oh, you did the ridge. Yeah. And then in the morning, got up at sunrise or a little bit before sunrise and started up. We only had to climb, I don't know, 1,100 or 1,500 feet to get to the top of Gorgonio and then came down via South Fork. So it was a nice sort of semi-loop, almost a full loop, but not quite close. So we had to shuttle, but we had to carry water. So when we got to Limber Pine, there's a spring there and we were able to refill all of our bottles and everything, but we had to have enough to get us up San Bernardino, enough for dinner and water and hydration for that night and enough for, you know, coffee and hydration in the morning to get us up to San Gorgonio. And then once we got down to South Fort, you know, we were able to get water on the way down. So um, that's an issue you have to be aware of. Yeah. All those uh, trip logistics, water rationing, it, it, all, it, it is all a science for sure. As you get deeper into your, yeah. your backpacking journey. Um, I'm so <sighs> You brought up San Bernardino Peak. I still am depressed and sad about this, how the, much it got the burned. Fire. Yeah. The Manzanita Flats are gone, and that was probably one of the most gorgeous sections of any trail in Southern California. But I know, you know, that's unfortunately the the reality of living out here in the wildfires. So I mean, it'll come back at some point. I hope so, and it, it'll it may be different, but it will come back, and uh, the trails have reopened, so that's. You know, that's great to see. And I think people are, have been sharing photos and stuff about, you know, like this, this spring, the wildflowers blooming and, you know, things like that. Yes. So uh, that's pretty cool to see, you know, it's just the resilience of nature and, and what's happening there. But the wildfires thing is it's everywhere. It's not just a Southern California thing. It is literally everywhere. Um, I did a backpacking mm. trip this summer up in North Cascades National Park in Washington State. And there was there were wildfires nearby that were affecting the air quality and the smoke, you know, and the, the visibility and everything. So um, if you're lucky, that's all it is. It's not like forcing you to evacuate or burning your house down or anything like that. So intense. Okay. Didn't realize that they also had wildfires up there. I just always think SoCal, the Santa Ana winds and all that. Washington, California, Northern California, New Mexico this last year, huge wildfires. Colorado's had wild, everybody, everybody's had wildfires now. All right. So I want to transition to like more like tips and advice because you just gained tons of experience and knowledge from decades of adventuring into the wilderness, Jeff. So could you share some hiking hacks for day hikers and backpackers, you know, that have greatly helped you personally that you can share with the community? A hiking hack. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, whether for a day hiker or backpacking. Okay. Well, I'll share a couple for both. Okay. How about that? So like for day hiking, 
Um, the number one thing would be to, for me, is to bring like some interesting snacks and bring extra. So extra water, you know, I, I like to bring for electrolytes, you know, I'll bring in like one of my Nalgene's will have, I'll use those none hydration or electrolyte tablets and throw those in there. Um, and then some interesting snacks. So like Trader Joe's is like my go-to for interesting snacks, you know, like dried mango or some interesting almonds and things like that, (laughs) you know, and just repackage them in little snack size bags and have a bunch of different things to nosh on and, and enough that you can share because there's always somebody who's like, didn't bring enough or they brought some, you know, they brought like something, some bars that they're sick and tired of or whatever. And you want to have something interesting. And that's something I actually picked up when I was in Korea because they had, that was one of the things it's a huge hiking community over there. And when you see the South Koreans, you know, out on the trail, they're in groups and they, at some point during the hike, they bust out the whole smorgasbord. You know, they've got the kimchi (laughs) and they've got the different pickled things and meats and whatever, and they're sharing soju and they're, you know, it's a whole, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a great spread, you know, and it's a nice experience. So I've tried to replicate that on the hikes that I do. Uh, the other fascinating, the other tip for, for this goes for day hiking or backpacking. And that is go for the SKT. So in the, in the, uh, trail running world, there's this thing called the fastest known time or the FKT. And there's lots of people, you know, a buddy of ours who just got the FKT on the John Muir trail. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of attention and focus on getting the FKT. I think we, the winner is the person who takes the longest time to do the trail and goes for the slowest known time or the SKT. So obviously no, nobody tracks this. You know, how long did it, you know, who has <laughs> the slowest known time on a particular trail? But the idea is, the sentiment is, is that we should be really enjoying the experience and not that you can enjoy it fast. There's a place for that as well, but that you don't have to feel any pressure to go fast, go at the speed that you're comfortable with, that you feel good at and have a, you can have a great experience doing that. Hike your own hike, hike your own hike. Yeah. Um, I have two tips or two hacks. I don't know if it's a hack really, but Um, two things that I think are life-changing for backpacking. Um, and, and the first is my sea to summit bucket. I have this little foldable bucket. It goes down, it's like two ounces and it folds into a space about two inches or maybe three inches by three inches by about an inch thick. And it's super lightweight, Okay, but it holds, I think five liters of water. And so when I get to camp, instead of having to take, you know, each of my bottles and figure that out, you know, I can just take my bucket, scoop in five liters or whatever of water and then hang it on a, uh, a tree branch. And now I can fill my bottles at my leisure when I need to. I'll have enough for, you know, refilling my water bottles. I'll have enough for cooking dinner and breakfast and getting started for the next day in one trip to the water. So it's been, I, a friend of mine had that wow. on a trip and I was like, Oh my gosh, that is so awesome. And I'm getting one of those and I've 
I always take that's that's an essential for me on a backpacking trip. And then kind of along with that is the water filters filtration system I use. Um, I've used it's changed a lot since 1980 when I did the John Muir Trail. Back then, we were using one of those pump filters that I think you could still get. You know, like you have the hoses and the pump, and it's a pain in the ass to go through and do all of that. But it really is a pain in the ass. They're heavy. It's awkward. You have to be careful which hose is the dirty hose and which one's the clean hose, <laughs> and you know, keep it all separate. And all of that. It was just a bunch of nonsense. And I've gone through some different iterations of things. I was using one of those Steripens that is the ultraviolet light for a while. Uh, but now what I'm using is a catadine, catadine, however you say it, uh, be free. It's a, a squeeze, one liter squeeze bottle that has the filter built in and you can fill this thing up. You just basically scoop the water into the bottle. Um, the cap on the bottle keeps it sterile or keeps it free from contamination from the water source. And then when you screw this, this cap in, it has the filter right there. And you can either drink right from that or you can fill other bottles from that. And it works great. I've, I've been using that for probably four years now. And it's been uh, another, another one of my, those game changers for me. <laughs> game changer hacks. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. It's the uh, the five liter um, foldable uh, bucket. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> like, I'm just imagining that right now. Like, yo, I wish I had that on this hike, on this adventure. Like, that would have just made everything so efficient. Yeah. And it's great. Even like on, on a day hike or something, like let's say you're doing San Gorgonia and you get up to High Creek. You know, there's usually water running there, but it's, you know, it's a lot of work to get down. You have to get down low, find that where a little, there's a little bit of flow. If you can fill up a bucket and then take it to some place where you can actually like stand up and everybody, you know, like all, everybody in your party can like refill their bottles nice and easily. And it's, it's really cool. Yeah. It's cool that you can hang it from the tree too. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about backpacking again, and it's very evident that this is a major part of your outdoor journey and that you're really passionate about it. So I want to ask you, Jeff, like what aspects about backpacking made you fall in love with it and just this type of outdoor recreation. We'd love to get into all that with you. Yeah. I think for me, well, I, you know, you experience this probably even on like long day hikes. You know, if you, you do San Gorgonio, once you get a few miles past the trailhead, you, the, the crowd thins out quite a bit. That backpacking takes that to the next level. So, you know, you get a day past the trailhead. It's a, it's a whole different experience. You get two or three days past the trailhead and you're, you know, as remote as you can be just about. And so you, you're you experiencing the land in the same way that people have been experiencing that land and that view for centuries. And I think that's the thing that's really incredible. Like, you know, walking through a forest of giant redwoods, you know, that are, have been there for centuries, you know, and being able to like, actually, I'll, I'll take a moment, you know, and like actually put my hand on that tree and just think about, you know, how, how many, uh, what other people through the centuries, the native Americans and, and, uh, you know, uh, sh shepherders and other people through the years who've been here and, you know, stood under the shade of this giant or maybe even touched it themselves, you know, and been right there. 
uh, or experiencing the view and going, wow, this is amazing. And being able to have that connection through time with people who ha have that shared experience, I think is really, really special. And that's something that you can get uh, to some degree on a day hike, but I think you get it in a bigger and more potent dose when you're backpacking because you're, you're firstly, you're unplugged for a longer period of time. You know, usually like when I do a long day hike, it, it still takes me like a couple hours probably before my mind has kind of like shifted gears and I'm not thinking about, you know, my next appointment or what I have to do when I get home or whatever, you know, and I'm kind of like present in the, in that space. And so when you're backpacking, it, it just kind of extends. So as you, you get further and further in, you know, you're, um, you really are present in that experience and in, in the, uh, with the people that you're with, or whether you're, if you're solo, uh, with the environment that you're in. And to me, that's really special. It feels like backpacking is very spiritual for you, Jeff. It kind of is. Yeah. It's a, it's a way to, I think because it strips away a lot of the extraneous stuff, you know, you get down to sort of what you need to survive. And I know that, you know, I can be out here and I've got a shelter and I've got, you know, clothing and I've got food and I've got water and I don't need more, you know, I don't need, you know, broadband internet and I don't need, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, all of the things that you, we all think that we need, you know, or that we, we, or that we want, I can, I can be happy and content with very little out here and I don't have to carry all that other baggage of society and commercialism and everything else. Yes. Wow. The way you're describing backpacking right now is so poetic. And this is coming from a day hiker. Like I knew I always wanted to start doing overnights and backpacking, but just the way you just spoke about backpacking right now just sold me like a thousand percent. Like, wow. <laughs> Thank you for that. Awesome. Yeah. Let's go plan a trip. Where do you want to go? Where are we going? <laughs> be, be gentle on me, please. <laughs> yeah, there's so many great places to go backpacking too. Um, I think one of the one of the ones that I really enjoy uh, that's near for Southern California, and you can do it. I think the best time to do it actually is when there's still snow in the local mountains, and that's the Trans Catalina Trail on Catalina Island. It's not a wilderness experience in the same, you know, like. It, the, it's not the same kind of experience because you're never, you know, you're never a day away from civilization there. But um, uh, but it's still a whole different experience, a whole different world from southern the rest of Southern California, LA proper, and uh, and so I really enjoy that, you know, just being able to get off, and see sort of an area of land that. Uh, you know, a lot of it's much the same as it has been for a long time. So that's like neat to see. Yeah, the raw coastlines. The raw coastlines, you know, rugged terrain, um, beautiful beaches. It's, it's a nice place to sort of experience Southern California as it used to be a long time ago. And, uh, and it's only a boat ride away. So that's nice. God, we have so much in Southern California. I always hear about backpacking the Trans Catalina Trail so much on this podcast. 
That's cool. Guess it's a sign. Yeah, there you go. That's a, anyhow. That would be a, a a great suggestion. It's a kind of a, a a low risk way to dip your toes into it. Yeah, because the Trans Catalina Trail is uh, how many miles, and how long does it typically take? I I would recommend doing it over five days, so four nights. Five days. Yeah, um, it can be done faster, but um, that's sort of like the sweet spot for me is to really enjoy it. So. Um, and it's about 33, 34 miles, something like that. It's, the, the course has changed since the first time that I hiked it, the route. Um, they cut off mm-hmm, a few mm-hmm. miles and rerouted things a little bit. But uh, uh, it's still really a nice experience. Okay. 2023, manifesting more backpacking adventures. I just got to get that journey started. There you go. So Which, I want to bring it back to the six. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you were there at the celebration. Did you fill out one of these cards? I did, and I I chose crazy day hikes. I put uh, Iron Mountain to Mount Baldy, the San Antonio Ridge Traverse, and I put Middle Palisades. <laughs> wow, wow! I know I'm one of those people. Awesome. Well, that sounds pretty cool. So that that's one of the things that um, one of the what I, I guess for the people listening, you're not going to see this, but one of the things that we did at that uh, Southern California Community Celebration was sort of describing your next adventures for 2023 and people write it down on an index card and then they pin it up. And I think that's, uh, that's been a lot of fun for people that we've done that before at prior events and people love it. You know, and I'm, I've got a few of these here from our Oregon. We had a social event in Oregon, teach a two-year-old to ski, uh, get back on my mountain bike and an annual backpacking trip with friends, you know, like those were her nice. three big adventures for 2023. And it's, it's as simple as that. And I think a big part of it is just, you talk about manifesting your dreams and it's like, we have these dreams of what we want to accomplish in life and what we want to do adventures. We want to have maybe the first step to making that dream a reality is writing it down. And like this it kind of makes it a little more real. And if you write it down and share it with other people, then it's like, okay, now they know about it. They've, I've said this and True. they're going to, they're going to ask me about it. Like I had somebody, I, I, a couple of years ago, uh, a buddy and I of mine and I were talking about doing the Pacific crest trail in 2022. That's this year, which we did not do, uh, but that we were talking about this because uh, this was the year that he turned 50 and I turned 60. So it was like one of those big, you know, it's a milestone birthday for both of us. And we thought, oh, sure, that would be, sure. that'd be kind of cool. You know, we both kind of wanted to do the PCT. It would be, uh, you know, a great experience. Uh, we've backpacked together a lot. So we know we get along just fine. It'd be no problem. And... Uh, it turns out we did, we chose not to do it for a variety of reasons, but I think I had somebody this morning ask me, so, Hey, are you still doing the PCT? And I'm like, uh, no, I actually decided not to. Um, but thanks for, you know, asking me about it. You know, that was, (laughs) so it's good. I think to write down those goals, you know, set up some big gnarly goals. That's the first step is to actually write it down, get people to, you know, share it with your friends and then you put together a plan and that's basically how I do it. So get those gnarly goals so down. True. When you write it down, write it down, put it out into the universe and hold you accountable. That's right. 
It happens. Let me uh, write on a new postcard. I'm going to mail it to you. <laughs> Revise my uh, 2023 adventures add the, so I can hold myself accountable. Add the backpacking in there. Yeah. Well, I guess me mentioning this on this episode is uh, in a way ho- holding myself it accountable to a backpacking adventure. Yeah, there you go. It's on the record, y'all. There we go. It, it could just be like a, a an overnighter, you know, even. It doesn't have to be anything, you know, like a three-week trip or anything like that. So. True. Yeah. I still need, I want to do the overnight at Cucamonga, especially. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll make that happen. Um, so Jeff, I want to bring it back to the six pack of peaks challenge real quick. And I know you've seen tons of incredible stories from this community that you've been building. Are there any particular stories from this challenge that really stood out to you or were really extremely powerful, and impactful that you always remember? We always have lots of people who are we, we get we attract a range of people to to the six pack of peaks challenge. Uh, some people are avid hikers already. You know, they're already out there bagging peaks and doing this kind of thing. And they're like, oh, this is just another thing I can check off my list. And that's really cool. But I think the ones that I love are the people who are like, I never thought that I could do this. So like I, I mean, we, we get this all the time. So um we ask you know what is it meant to different people and we had somebody who says oh when i first heard about the six pack peaks i thought i could never do that and they completed the challenge and then she says i realized that i'm my own barrier and now i can do anything that i set my mind to and that's the thing that i think is the most impactful is that people set these big scary goals and they put break it down into a, a plan to you know reach those goals, and then they do that, and they go, "Well, hell, if I can do that, what can't I do?" You know, and it can yes. spill over into other areas of your life as well. You know, your career, or your school, or whatever, and uh, and so that I think is the the most exciting. Um, you know, we have a lot of people. Um, uh, we have a, a woman who said, oh, this, the six pack of peaks got me to the top of Whitney. So it, they used the six pack to train, but they, as a result, as they did it, they also discovered how much they loved climbing in the local mountains. And so, and she's gone on, she continues to climb in the local peaks and she's looking at doing six pack challenges in other regions as well. So we've had nice. that, is, that, that's been pretty cool. Yeah, these are like doing your challenge like Jeff is like it's literally life changing. You know, it's just we can't get enough of the peaks. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's it's hard. I mean, the hikes themselves can be challenging, but just committing to do six hard hikes, specific ones over a specific time period is hard. You know, we have uh, people who will sign up for the challenge and have an injury. Or they'll have something happen in their family and it gets in the way. You know, I, I went out with a, a group of friends um, and we tried to do all six peaks in the Vegas challenge over, let's see, Thursday, Friday, four days. You know, so we were doubling up on a couple of days. Okay. Didn't do it. We got five of them. <laughs> okay. Wow. Didn't do it. But we got five of them, but it's like, it's hard to try to you know squeeze all that in, and and I I think my hat is off to anybody 
who's able to follow through because it requires much more than just the physicality of you know doing the hike. It requires scheduling and planning and coordinating and you know replanning as things as schedules shift so and things happen in life and uh, and so there's that that's a big component of the challenge as well. So speaking of challenges, I want to talk about a challenge that you redid all over again. So I want to go back in time with you, Jeff, specifically 12 years ago back in 2010, Mm. and highlight an incredible accomplishment that you did mention at the top of this podcast of yours. And that was being able to complete the JMT, aka the Jamir Trail for your second time. And I know we've been talking about the JMT a bunch on this podcast, but for those of you not familiar, it is the 211 miles world famous through hiking trail that stretches from Yosemite Valley to Mount Whitney, which is the tallest mountain in the continental U.S. In other words, it is an insanely epic route and is one of the must-do experiences for any backpacker, especially in California. So, Jeff, just like reflecting back, how was it like to complete the JMT for your second time 30 years later from your first time when you were 18 years old? Harder? (laughs) Well, yeah. So actually, the first time I did it when I was 18, uh, the group that I hiked with, there were we started out with five. We ended up with four. One person ended up getting ill and getting off the trail halfway. But uh, we spent 25 days on the trail to complete the John Muir Trail. The second time, we spent 22 days. So actually did it faster. But that was really only a function of my work schedule and the time off work. I had never, ever taken three consecutive weeks of vacation time in my life. So it was the very first time I'd ever done that. I was kind of nervous about that. And uh, and so we really had to, you know, push to kind of hold to that schedule. Um, It was definitely harder in this in in many ways. Uh, You know, when I was 18, when I first did it. Um, I was much leaner than I am now. I'm a big, you know, big guy. So um, you're a big mountain guy. I'm a big mountain guy. Yeah, that's which is great. You know, I've I've got a lot of durability. You know, I don't. My body doesn't break down when I'm out there carrying a heavy load and that sort of thing. That's that's really helpful. But it also means the climbing and everything is is a little bit harder. And uh, that certainly than when I was 18 sort of sure. probably the peak of my uh, fitness at 18. And, um, the experience itself has changed w- changed quite a bit. Um, back in 2010, when I did it the first time, no, I'm sorry, 1980, when I did it the first time. Um, oh my goodness, 1980 and then 2010. Yes. Wow, what a gap. I know. 1980, imagine. So like all your listeners are going, I wasn't even born yeah, come on. <laughs> I wasn't born either. <laughs> so, yeah, back then, uh, resupplies were not as easy. You know, today you can get, uh, you can mail. What we did in 2010 was we mailed our resupply packages. We had, we picked up a package at Tuolumne Meadows. We picked up a package at Red's Meadow. We picked up a package at, um, VVR, we picked up a, a nut, our final package at Muir Trail Ranch. So, you know, we made full use of all of the easy to access 
resupply points. And we were able to mail that all in advance. In 1980, we weren't able to do any of that. So we had to coordinate with friends who would meet us on a specified date and location and hope that they actually showed up. And Damn, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. So it was a whole different thing, you know, like that's, and there's no, of course, you know, like there's no cell phones, there's no satellite communicators, no Garmin in reach or any of that. So it's just like, you really are off, off the grid completely. And, you know, you just hope it all works out. It, it did. It all worked out. There was, I think our final resupply in 1980, we had a couple college kids who were meeting us and we were there for like a cup at the meet point for like a couple hours and they hadn't shown up yet. And so we were starting to get a little nervous because we, we didn't have enough food to last us for the, the last four or five days. And, uh, Finally, they show up and it's, you know, the sun is getting dark and we're like, oh, thank Ooh. goodness. And so we got our food and it was all good. But like when we came out at the other end, um, we didn't have, we actually uh, exited the trail one day early. And so we had people who were planning to pick us up the next day and we didn't want to just camp at the uh, on the road or whatever. So we ended up hitchhiking into town where we could then use a pay phone to call, you know, it's like a whole different, it's hard to imagine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it probably didn't have push buttons, you know, it's probably a rotary phone. Finger in the hole, rotate it, finger in the hole, rotate it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's oh, so yeah. funny. Uh, but you know, other than that, you know, like the experience itself, it was really, really fun. And it was great. You know, I had my girlfriend with me and we had two other guy, young guys who had joined our, our party. But it was so much fun to know, like, what was up ahead. It, you know, it just comes right back to you. It's like, I was here and I'm back. And so, you know, I'd be, oh, this is going to be great. You're going to love this. You know, and we'd, we'd come over <laughs> a pass and come down like, isn't this amazing? And yeah, this is amazing. It's like such a great experience to go back and revisit everything. I'll probably do this again someday if I can. What was that emotion like when you finished that second time, like at the very end? Oh my gosh. So much, uh, such a great sense of accomplishment. So we, at the, at the end in 2010, we, uh, we woke, we slept, we camped at guitar Lake on the West side of Whitney uh, the night before we summited and we got up at like one at 12 AM or 1 AM in the morning and put our headlamp, broke camp, put our headlamps on, started up towards trail crest by headlamps, which is by the way, an awesome way to do that because all you see is the trail right in front of you. You know, like you're watching where you step so you don't, you know, fall or go off trail and we're just kind of like marching along, you know, methodically. And all of a sudden, I almost ran into the trail sign at Trail Crest. I, I'm looking down oh, no. and I almost walk into it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're we're at Trail Crest, which is you're kind of you kind of feel like you're there at that point, you know. Um, you still have, I don't know, I'm not sure how far that is, like a mile and a half or something like that, two miles maybe. The longest the 1.9 miles. 1.9 miles summit. <clears throat> But it's not, you know, like the, the big climb is kind of done, you know, at that point. And, uh, and so, uh, 
we did the summit. You know, we were up there. We we saw the sunrise coming through the windows as we were headed up that way, and that was amazing. Oh wow, that's magical. Uh, hung out there as long as we wanted, and and then basically, like, well, let's let's head down. So we start making our way down, you know, through the ninety nine switchbacks, and eventually you see the Whitney portal parking area, you know, and the cars down there and you think, Oh, she's, and, and we're, we're tired at this point, you know, cause we got up at 1am, you know, like we climbed up, mm-hmm. we're headed down, we're tired, we're carrying our packs. We've been doing this for three weeks now. And uh, my girlfriend's like, Oh, how much longer do you think it'll be? And I'm like, Oh, probably 30 minutes. It's like, no, no, not even close. It was like an hour and a half. So you see those cars down there at Whitney Portal. And, <laughs> and you keep on hiking down these switchbacks. And you're thinking, they're not getting any closer. What's wrong with this? <clears throat> Am I some in some kind of strange space-time warp thing, you know, or whatever? But uh, we finally made it down to Whitney Portal. The Portal store and the restaurant was still open. We were able to get a cheeseburger and a beer and sat out on the patio. And it was just like, ah, oh, this is such a great feeling. It was, uh, it's amazing. It's a great accomplishment for anybody who does, if you do just Whitney, just to be able to do that. But if you're doing the John Muir trail and coming Southbound, like we did, uh, nothing better than to end it with that cold beverage and a greasy cheeseburger at the portal store. Yeah. That is the grand reward because the portions there are absolutely massive from the fries to the actual burger bun in the patty. Yeah, I got to experience that as well, obviously, but it was just as a day hike. Mm-hmm. But I could only imagine, you know, when you saw that that large portions of the food, you're like, I'm about to stuff my face and the, the, probably pass out right after this. The, the first time I did the JMT in 1980, I had, um, you know, like I had a little spiral brown notebook and I would you know write little notes and trail notes and scribbles in there. And at some point, I think about halfway into the trip, I started writing down all the food that I was going to eat when I got back to civilization, <laughs> you know, things that you can't have, like just ice cream or cantaloupe or, you know, weird, you know, steak, you know, things that aren't dehydrated and dry and crusty. You know, it's, uh, it was, uh, I had a long list of meals planned already by the time I got out. Was there one at the, what was the one at the top of the list? Hmm. Uh, I think probably, I think it was this, like the steak with a baked potato with lots of butter and sour cream and, you know, just like the whole disgusting mess of food, you know, and, uh, a necessary mess that your body needed. Exactly. Yeah. It's like my body was craving all of that stuff. There was, there was one point on at one of the, uh, I was so hungry. I'm like eating, we, you know, you, you ration out your food, you have your meals all planned. And if you get to the end of your food for that day, you know, you, that's it. That's all you have. So, you, you know, you just, you, you're going to be hungry maybe. And that's normal. Like mm-hmm. you're running a caloric deficit from day to day. And that's pretty normal. At that time when I, I didn't have as much reserves on my body. So um, at one point we were up above 10,000 feet, I think, camping. And I'm like, I'm so hungry. I got to, I got to do something. So I went like a mile and a half downhill back down the trail to an area where the sugar pines were still growing and harvested a bunch of sugar pine needles, which you can make tea out of. And you can also just chew on. They're not good. (laughs) 
okay. Not I was good. like waiting for you to be like, it was status. <laughs> but it was like, I was desperate, you know, it's like, I, I need something, you know, and it, uh, that's what I did. I added another three miles of hiking for the day just to harvest some sugar pine needles and munch on those. Yeah, your taste buds were craving for diversity. Yeah, yeah. And calories, probably, and fat and everything else. For sure, for sure. Uh, I want to ask you, just so, you know, the JMT is 211 miles. There's so many sections, so many, like, crown jewels during that hike. Is there a particular section that just always, like, truly just captivates you and and mind-blowing to you? I love the area below the minarets. I think that's a really special. Um, so if you go from Mammoth, you can head over the, I forget the name of the pass, but you head down towards like Red's Meadow and that area. From there, there's a couple different trails. The Pacific Crest Trail and the JMT, the John Muir Trail, actually split through there. The PCT goes a little bit further east and there's something called the high route that kind of goes along that side of the, that Canyon. And the JMT goes up past, you know, shadow Lake, Garnet Lake, thousand Island Lake, that whole area with Banner and Ritter peak as the backdrop. And there's just such an epic craggy peaks with these beautiful lakes, crystal blue water, crystal clear, uh, dotted with all kinds of islands and you know, the, the areas surrounded with, pine forest and it's just an amazing amazing space it's a place that i'll i've gone many times for shorter trips and it's a place that i'll keep returning to whenever chance i get all right duly noted so the area below uh, minarets minarets below the minarets so like thousand island lake garnet garnet lake there's ruby lake there's a whole bunch of gem named lakes up there uh adiza lake um And there's trails that kind of connect between them. So you can spend a night at a lake, then the next day hike to the next lake or or two lakes over if you want. And uh, there's all kinds of day hiking, sort of off trail experiences you can have. You know, if you want to go bag a peak, you can do that. If you want to go just explore a little bit or fish, you can do that. It's It's a really pretty area. God, I'm just getting so much inspiration from this episode right now, Jeff. Good. So captivated by your stories. (laughs) So what a journey, you know, and a story to complete the JMT 30 years later. Mm. And I want to jump out of the JMT now and out of the Sierra Nevadas and come back down to SoCal, Southern California, and immerse ourselves back in this community because, you know, you just have so many endless memories and experiences here in Southern California. What would you say you have learned about the SoCal hiking community in comparison to other hiking communities in the country or even worldwide? Gosh, I think that, uh, I think the Southern California hiking community continues to surprise me and other people. I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize just how, uh, active and engaged the Southern California hiking community really is. There's a huge number of people who are really excited about getting outdoors, excited about exploring the trails helping people sort of level up their outdoor skills and experience. And um, I don't think that's appreciated in another place. They think of if you're from another area, for example, like Colorado, I think uh, you think you look down your nose at Southern California, you think 
Oh, it's beaches and Disneyland and Hollywood. You know, those are the things that kind of come to mind. Not mountains and certainly not mountains with snow and like winter mountaineering yes. cap- possibilities and backpacking and, you know, high peaks, you know, all of those things. And, uh, and I think there's a little bit of that from region to region. I think that there's some, you know, local pride. So when you're in Southern California, the people who hike there all the time, they, they're proud of their trails and they're proud of their mountains and they're proud of the experiences that they have, the coastal mountains, the desert trails, the, uh, the snow-capped peaks. And if you go to New England, they're proud of their mountains. It's a whole different experience. You know, there they, you know, they'll try to bag all the peaks over 4,000 feet. You know, that's like a thing, you know, and they don't have, you know, nearly the, the same level of altitude that we have on the, the, uh, the elevation of the peaks in Southern California, but they're a whole level, different level of um, experience. You know, like you're actually doing a lot more stuff with your hands on the trails in New England than you would in Southern California. You kind of, you're kind of spoiled in Southern California because they're nice. They're actually nice trails for the most part. Um, and so it, I think that's the thing that I've learned as I've explored in Southern California and then gone to other areas is that there is a huge, there will always be like a core hiking community that's really excited and motivated and proud of their area. And I think that, um, oftentimes they don't necessarily appreciate the beauty and the wonders of the hiking in other areas whether that be Southern California or wherever. I got to tell you, Jeff, that just discovering the SoCal hiking community has been one of the most cool discoveries I've made since I've been in Los Angeles. And I've been out here a long time. I moved out here in 2004 for college, and I didn't get to discover this community until 13 years later. I never noticed, you know, when I was at Venice Beach, the Santa Monica Mountains for some reason. When I was in downtown LA, I never noticed the San Gabriel Mountains for some reason. Even when I'm in Hollywood, I'm like, yeah, I guess I could see Griffith Park, but it never really truly processed in my mind. And then I start exploring further down, like Orange County, San Diego. I'm like, holy cow, there are people all over the trails and they're active and they're engaged and they love their city and their local trails. It's just been, I think it's been one of the most important discoveries for myself because I was going through a rough patch in my life before I became a hiker, and it's just allowed me to reinvent myself as this much more outdoor-centric person. It's been so crucial for my mental health and physical mm. health and spiritual health. So I just wanted to express that real quick. Yeah, it's a huge thing. And I think that's one of the things that's great about hiking is that it gives you a chance to reset and recalibrate our minds and our bodies. It's the grand reset. It's a cleanse too, being out in the peaks and the mountains. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Super excited to ask you this next question since you have countless outdoor adventures. If there was one hiking or outdoor experience you could relive all over again, what would that be for you? Hmm. That's a really tough one because I like to try. I like, I'm always looking for to hike a different trail or, you know, have a different experience, but I'm trying to think, I think. Yeah. Take a moment. I know you, I, you're, you're trying to process all the adventures you've been through. Yeah. I, there's, can I have two? You're Jeff Hester. I'm going to give you two. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to take two and they're both one of them. You, you might even be able to guess probably the John Muir trail. 
Um, I, I would love to do the John Muir Trail with, with one or more of my kids. I've got three grown, they're all grown adults now, but uh, it would be oh, a lot of, they? what's that? How old are they? They're in their th- late thirties now. So um, I'm, I would, would special. L- yeah, that would be a lot of fun to do that. Uh, I think that would be a neat experience to do the John Muir Trail with one or more of them. Uh, another trail though, that I think I really want to go back and do and explore again. I did it as a section hike and that's the Theodore Solomon's trail. The Theodore Solomon's trail is longer than the John Muir trail. It's about uh, 270 miles roughly. And it's not an official trail like the JMT. It's a, it's a route that uses other trails and kind of stitched together this route. And it runs also starts in Yosemite, but it starts at uh, Glacier Point, and it goes all the way down south of Mount Whitney, and it goes on the west side of the Sierras. So it's at lower elevations, uh, typically, although it does climb. I think the high point is Elizabeth Pass, which is just over eleven thousand feet, and it was oh that was an adventure. So like <laughs> backpacking the John Muir trail is epic. It's a, it's an amazing experience. Loved it. I'd love to do it again. The Theodore Solomon's trail was truly an adventure. And that's because there are sections of that trail that have not seen trail maintenance in over a decade. They're disappearing. Really? And so you're following a route on trails that used to be there at one point in time and having to navigate. And and it was like a whole next level of um, sort of requirements. What it required from me and the other people that I hiked with uh, was a lot more, you know, a lot more skill, a lot more navigation, uh, a lot more fortitude, you know, just to kind of press on and send in the face of adversity. It was really some of the sections super tough and so in that regard, I don't really recommend that as like, hey, go do this Theodore Solomon's trail. But I, I would love to see that trail. I'd love to go back and do it again. Um, I'd love to bring more attention to it so that maybe some of those sections that have fallen into disuse get some attention and maybe even some trail maintenance at some point that this could become really a viable alternative to things that that whole JMT PCT corridor, which is so crowded and impacted by all the people who want to do that. This other side, you'd go, we'd go days and not see anybody. So a whole different experience. The Theodore Solomon trail. All right. Yeah. And it was actually, guess what, Jeff? Wait wait, wait a second. I got to tell So the Theodore Solomon's trail, actually interesting story. It was developed by somebody. The route was originally developed by somebody in Southern California. I think his name was Dennis Gagnon. And uh, this was way back in 1974. And it was developed as an alternative to the overcrowded John Muir Trail in 1974. So think about how much more crowded the trails have gotten since then. And they were already thinking about, hey, we need to provide some kind of alternative. And that was, you know, almost 50 years ago. And that was that trail. Yeah. 
Man, yeah, I'm gonna definitely be googling the hell out of the theater Solomon trail. Yeah, there you go. Sounds like you had to use all your skill sets to the highest level. Absolutely. To complete that. Yeah, river crossings, all kinds of things. Yeah. All right. Guess what, Jeff? Uh, what, Justin? It's time for the rapid fire question section. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> all right. So this is the way it works. So there's two rounds. Round one is outdoor focus, and round two is personal. So just answer with one word answers or just short and concise answers. I'll do my best. So round one, you ready? Hit me. You ready, rock steady? Ready, rock steady. Yes, he actually said it. I love it when the guest actually says what I just say. <laughs> All right, here we go. Favorite trail snack? Ah, um, beef jerky. Trail runners or hiking boots? Trail runners all the way, all day, every day. Desert or deserted island? Desert. Waterfalls or lakes? Hmm, tough one, but I think I'll go with lakes. Rock scrambling or surfing loose scree? Rock scrambling. I hate surfing scree. <laughs> Why is this even a question, right? Yeah. Epic day hike or epic backpacking trip? Ooh, uh, also tough, but I'm going to go with epic backpacking trip. Favorite camping meal? Hmm. Uh, tacos. Trail tacos. What meat? Oh, uh, carne asada. Favorite hiking guide you wrote? <laughs> uh, probably the Wonderland Trail. Oh, man. So I lived in Seattle for a year and I always go back to like Seattle and definitely at some point is it's a must to do the Wonderland Trail. Here's like one of the most gorgeous trails ever. It's it's really special and I would highly recommend it. It's a great introduction to a longer backpacking trip because you can you can break it up really easily. So, yeah. Mm. Which region of the six pack of peaks challenge are you most excited about right now? Hmm. Which region? Uh, actually, is Central Coast. So we have a new challenge coming for the Central Coast, kind of in the area from like Buellton, Solvang, San, Santa Barbara up to San Luis Obispo. And uh, I'm super stoked about that. Very cool. Least favorite peak. <laughs> Least favorite peak. Come on. Think think about that suffer faster. What, why ever it? It was a least favorite for you, whatever reason. Oh, man. Hmm. Least favorite peak. That's tough. I mean, I think even, you know, like I, I would have to say it would be one that has a road to the top. So uh, I actually really like, I, I know a lot of people will tell me their least favorite peak because they have opinions about the <laughs> six pack and they'll say, oh, Mount Wilson. And I get both sides. So like, People who've never done, and this was, I'm talking about back when Chantry Flats was open and before the big fire, but uh, that was the route that I would normally recommend and that, that I would take. And I loved it. And, you know, really pretty, interesting, beautiful cabins, you know, water and all that. I know this isn't a one word answer, but, um, but you get up to the top and there's a road and there's kids walking around with ice cream cones and that kind of thing. And you feel like it's a little deflating to get up to there and know that you worked really hard. And other people did. So. <laughs> the kids are just showing their ice cream cones from the Cosmic Cafe. Like, yeah. hey, look what I got. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I would probably be any peak with a road to the top would be less uh, lower on my list. 
the politically correct answer for the record. <laughs> dawn or dusk? Uh, dawn all the way. Mountain lions or grizzly bears? <laughs> um, I gotta choose one. Mountain lions. Dog poodle bush or poison oak? Poodle bush. <laughs> Taco Tuesday or waterfall Wednesday? Oh, Taco Tuesday. All trails or Gaia GPS? Oh, a tough one. Um, yeah. I, personally, I've used Gaia GPS for years. Um, I've been starting to use all trails a little bit more and more. The thing that I don't like about all trails is that the crowdsourced opinions run everywhere from really good to really bad. And Gaia, you just have the data. So I, I, I'll give Gaia the edge. You know what all trails is good for? Like those ridiculous reviews that are just so humorous and just exactly. absolutely crazy. Yeah. That provides a lot of, you know, like entertainment. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. There we go. Southern California or the Pacific Northwest? Ooh. Oh, come on. I'm sorry. I had to hit, I had to hit you with that. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with Southern California because I am the SoCal hiker. And I have a love for Southern California. I mean, there's so much to love about it. And uh, I think the Pacific Northwest is awesome as well. But I know SoCal so much better, even still. Right on. Santa Monica Mountains or San Gabriel Mountains? San Gabriel. San Gabriel Mountains or Eastern Sierras? Eastern Sierras. Music artists you want to hike with? Peter Gabriel. Greatest fear on the trail? Finding a dead body. <laughs> Eesh, that, that would make sense. Yeah. Favorite piece of outdoor gear you own? Um, my fanny pack. You're so hip nowadays. Everyone got a fanny pack now. <laughs> National park you want to visit the most that you have not already? Oh, gosh. Uh, hmm, the one that I want to visit the most that I have not already. Uh, Unless you visited them all. I have not. I have a friend who has, but I have not. Um, probably one on Hawaii, you know, in the state of Hawaii. I don't know what I don't know what the park is, but I'm sure there is one. I want to go there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um what I was in Maui. There's one there called uh it's like a volcano one, like Hala Kala. Yeah. I've never I've never been there. to Hawaii at all. So it's like What? I know. You haven't been to Hawaii yet? I have not been to Hawaii. Okay, Jeff, that needs to be in your immediate adventure 2023 list, like right now. I, I, got, right I, got, now. I got a blank card. All right, here we go. I'm here we go. It on here. I'm, I'm telling you, Jeff, I've talked about Hawaii so many times on this podcast. It is a life-changing hiking experience to be out there. It just feels otherworldly. It's so lush. Okay, it's happening. There it is. It's happening. We have, we have uh, documented proof. Holding each other accountable. I'll be backpacking next year, and you'll be going to Hawaii. There you go. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited for you to get on out there. It's, God, it, it's hiking freaking paradise. Awesome. I can't express that enough. Looking forward to it. All right, now I lost my, now I lost my like, place in the questions. <laughs> I got too, uh, too riled up. Reset. Um, <laughs> reset. All right, we're talking about national parks. All right. Favorite outdoor brand? It could be a local one. Doesn't have to necessarily be the big corporation ones. Hyperlight Mountain Gear or Enlightened Equipment. And one word: How does hiking make you feel? One word: 
Peace. What's your ideal outside temperature? 55 degrees. 55? <laughs> for, you've, been in, you've been in the Pacific Northwest too long. For hiking? Yeah. Heck yeah. Okay. Okay. Optimal hiking temperatures. Yeah. All right. So that concludes round one. We're going to uh, take a quick break. I'm going to sip my water and then we'll jump into round two. You survived round one. All right. I passed through. Flying colors. All right. Round two. You ready? I'm ready. You ready, rock steady? I'm ready, rock steady. Let's go. Favorite comfort food? Uh, pizza. Favorite cartoon show growing up? Roadrunner. Oh, yes. That's such a great answer. Favorite emoji? Uh, the wink, you know. <laughs> What's your hidden talent? Oh, my hidden talent. Hmm. Listening. Why do you got to get so deep on us right now? <laughs> hey, you're the one asking the A questions. Li- <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, that is listening, everyone, is a talent. To listen intentionally is a grand talent indeed. Favorite music artist right now? Or if I had to rephrase it, who are you listening to the most at the moment? Uh, Dave Matthews Band. Awesome. App you are currently using the most besides Instagram? Besides Instagram, um, Apple News, sadly. <laughs> Favorite superhero? <sighs> Spider-Man. If you could be any animal, what would you be? Hmm. A cougar. A cougar. All right. If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? 1980. Oh, 1980 was the first time you did the It is, yeah. Ah, see? Yeah, you were listening. I'm listening. I see, I'm listening intentionally. (laughs) That's my hidden talent. Describe yourself in three words. Oh, man. Um, Determined. Adventurous. And sociable. All right, here's the final question of the rapid-fire question section. You ready? Mm. Hit me. Favorite sound? It's the sound of a cold beverage opening the pop top after finishing a hike and you're back at the trailhead. That, as you pop that one Oh, that's such a great answer. Yes. Uh, Yeah, that's the sound. A truly satisfying sound of accomplishment and Mm. achievement. All right. So that wraps up the rapid fire question section. I always love doing that with the guests. It's always so much fun to keep you on your toes. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So check it out, Jeff. We're almost at the end of the episode, but I always turn the spotlight back to the guests. Do you have any final words you want to share with the listeners? It could be about the outdoors or it doesn't have to be. The floor is yours. Oh gosh. Um, You know, I guess I would just say what, what my, my goal is to inspire other people. And I've had lots of people who've come to me and like, Oh yeah, you motivated me to do the John Muir trail or you motivated me to go, you know, take the six pack of peaks challenge. And I I've been doing other things and I'm, I'm blown away when I see people go like way beyond what I've ever done, you know, like they, they take it to a whole next level. And I think 
that's what it's about is just trying to, I, I want to encourage people to set some big, scary goals, whatever they might be, commit to them and, you know, break it down into steps and go tackle those goals, whatever it be, whether it's an adventure out in the outdoors, whether it's a career goal or a personal goal, you know, I think it's important for us to evolve and to grow as people that we, we kind of look at what, who we want to be and, and break it down into those steps to get to that person. And, um, I, you know, we like to talk about like leveling up our outdoor skills with the six pack of peaks challenge. And, um, but you know, that applies to many areas of life, just kind of leveling up what we do and who we are and where we're going. You hear that y'all dream big level up. If your dreams aren't big enough, you know, and not scary enough, you got to dream bigger is what he's saying. Dream bigger. Yeah. All right. So that concludes the episode. What an honor to have you, Jeff. Jeff Hester, SoCal hiker, Six Pack of Peaks, Just Trek podcast, Elevation is our recreation, and we are out. Peace. Thank you, Justin. Can you believe it, Just Trek fam? We just had Jeff Hester, the SoCal hiker on the show. And wow, this podcast has just grown quite a lot reflecting back on all the guests that we had this past year, thanks to you all. So incredible how Jeff turned a major accident into two inspiring outdoor platforms for the masses to learn from and challenge themselves. I just absolutely love these conversations with guests that I aspire to be like in my older age, and I hope to remain active just like them, having adventures in the mountains for decades in my life. That's also why I love this hiking thing, everyone. I can do it, you can do it for a very long time, as long as we take care of our bodies. If you enjoyed this episode and found value in it, support and subscribe to us on patreon.com slash just trek. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash just trek. You can find the link in our bio. The support really does help a lot to help keep the show running for you in the community. Also, while you're at it, take a screenshot on whatever streaming platform you're currently listening on and tag us on Instagram at Just Trek. That is J-U-S-T period T-R-E-K. I would love to see who is tuning in. And it also helps with spreading awareness about the episode so that others in the community can tune in as well. In other words, keep spreading the love. And with that all being said, let's get into our official outro. Thank you, gracias and salamat for tuning in to the entire episode. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. Follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are streaming on all the major platforms. If you want to send me a message, email justtrekofficial at gmail.com or slide in my DMs on Instagram at just.trek or on my personal at justrock, J-U-S-T-R-O-C. If you would like to support my creative endeavors, check out the merch store on justtrek.net slash shop. For more outdoor inspiration, make sure to check out our website. We have blogs, vlogs, and trip reports. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a wonderful day, and please remember to just keep on trekking. <laughs>